spirit of the man that is serving as an elder in the church. Timothy says, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Probably the idea of manner in worthy of full respect in relation to family and children is not to be, you know, such a dictator. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must all have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. There are some of the qualities of being an elder, an overseer, a shepherd, a church leader in God's church, his bride. And you know, when you look through that, one thing that you truly do understand from the very beginning is there is only one perfect shepherd, and he is the good shepherd. And there is no one on this earth, no matter how much they love the Lord, that is a perfect shepherd. We have nine of us serving as elders currently at the Kentwood Christian Church. I'm going to ask the elders currently serving to stand up. I know some of them are downstairs teaching with our youth, but if you are an elder in the church currently, stand up. Thank you. You can be seated. And I know because of personal relationship with these men that uh, they know that they're not perfect. A matter of fact, when you start reading these qualities and qualifications, you really start to see that it is appointment by the Holy Spirit that you're able to serve in a leadership position as an elder at all. Now, I want you to know that the eldership of this church looks to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, as the ultimate example of what an elder shepherd overseer should look like. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus as he talks about the, the role that he plays as the good shepherd to his flock, his church, his children, his people. And with that, I would like you to think about 
just how monumental of a task it is to be like Jesus. You know, our mission statement is being disciples who love and live like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the drive. But we're a long way from being anything like Jesus. And you start to really see in the church the elder has to have the right heart. And so as you begin to prayerfully consider who you might put before the current eldership to consider as an appointment of an elder, that's where you have to begin. The heart of that person. You see, I kept stressing overseer, elder, shepherd, because those are the words that are used to describe this individual, this man in this church role. You see, elder carries with it someone that's a little bit older, someone that has spent time with God. And then we have shepherds, someone that ends the flock, someone who watches and cares for the flock, someone who feeds the flock, someone who is watchful, and then you have overseer which implies many of the same things, but it is the quality of really looking out over the congregation and making sure to the best of their ability that people are being fed the truth of God, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, a place that's accepting, a place where they can come and grow and walk with the Lord. To have an environment that says all are welcome. To have a place where Christ is celebrated. Now, I've been in ministry for almost 33 years, and I've seen the best of it, and I've seen the worst of church leadership. I've seen what church leadership cannot be because if it's wrong leadership appointed only by man, not Holy Spirit, then what a church is, is man-run. And that doesn't have the blessing of God. You see, sometimes maybe you don't even realize the the heavy responsibility that an elder has for each and every one of you. In their imperfection, in their busy work days, they have made a commitment because they feel that God has called them into this role of ministering and loving people. 
Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in over some other way is a thief and a robber. Verse 1 of John chapter 10 lets us know right off the bat that there are individuals that want to get among the flock, use flock for their benefit, their ego, and all that they really do to the flock is still rob. Their interest is not in the spiritual welfare of the individual. Whose spiritual welfare are you concerned about? Really concerned about? Surely, a father's concerned about his children's spiritual welfare, right? Surely, a mother's concerned about her children's spiritual welfare. Surely, we, we all as parents, although we're concerned about our children's spiritual welfare, have any of you ever felt like you're failing your children? And so we look to Jesus and we hear Jesus say, there are people that don't enter through the gate in this world. They climb over the fence. They, they sneak in and they get in the flock of God's people for their own gain. For their own gain. That's why they're there. For their own gain. Now, coming from the South and being part of some of the most conservative churches of Christ, I always say to people, halfway, tongue-in-cheek, brokenly, they have churches of Christ in Michigan, but they're really not churches of Christ. Because down South, you would not be considered a church of Christ. I remember this one elder... He was so legalistic on people who had gone through divorces. And if he couldn't judge it the way that he thought it should line up, then he would ask couples that had remarried someone else to get divorces. And he and I just, you know, did not see eye to eye. It uh, was more of a tradition, not really the Word of God. And we, we butted heads and uh, did not come to see things the way the Scriptures taught them until it happened with his son. And then his words to me were, My eyes are opened. Well, I wish we could have got those eyes opened a little earlier for all the other people whose lives were shattered. Now, see, these are some of the the things that an elder deals with. An elder don't just deal with, is the air running, the lights on, the 
projectors working? How's the staff doing? Are we getting people visited? Are we getting food to people? They're dealing with people's lives that are so broken, broken in relationship, broken by addiction, just broken, broken, broken. And I say to you, there's nothing more important than an elder who has the right heart, a heart that's humble, a heart that's kind, a heart that loves the Lord, a heart that knows Scripture, is gracious. An elder that, that you know they love the Lord. They are a leader, even if they're not serving as an elder. They love the Lord. They talk about the Lord. They come alongside people. They study. They pray. They text. They email. It's like, I care about you. And that's why our shepherding elders have flocks under them because it is such a massive task to meet all the spiritual needs of people and and members you know some are, are very private they're not going to let you know what's really gone in their lives sometimes no matter how well you know them and I want to say to you the role of an elder is to be there for you and that it's one of these relationships that that both sides really have to to come together because that's who the Lord has put here at this given time to be a part of your life and your struggle and your encouragement. But Jesus, I want to simply point out, says you have to be careful because there's people that like the power trip. They think it's a matter of you go to an elders meeting and it's all about yes, no, yes, no. It's not that. We sit in elders' meetings three or four hours a night, once a month. And yes, we deal with the matters of the church. But we talk about people. And how can we help people? How can we pray for people? These are the people we're praying for. All of those things. But you see in verse 4 of Ezekiel, God says, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled over them harshly and brutally. That's Ezekiel 34. I encourage you to read that chapter because it opens up with God comes down very hard on the shepherds of that time. And he says, you're horrible. Everything you do is for your gain and your benefit. Therefore, I'm going to take you out and you're not going to be shepherds of my flock. I'll do it myself. And he talks about sending Jesus. But a shepherd right here looks for the stray, looks for the lost, comes alongside our conversations need to be spiritual it can find to talk about ball games 
It can be fine to talk about your hobbies. But we as elders are striving with more intensity and more recommitment to talk with you in a natural way about the weightier matters of the spiritual realm, your faith, your growth, your struggle, and we need your help. We need your help in doing that. And we we seek that help, and we covet it. Jesus goes on, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. I'm going to move fairly quick through this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And you start to see that a shepherd, the chief shepherd, was very close with his flock, and that's the point here. Jesus is the real thing, and he is the great shepherd, and that's where you and I Our loyalty to Him is above any other loyalty. He is the chief shepherd. He speaks through His Word. We listen to His voice. It's like what you're seeing all over the news right now. The attack on the Bible. The Bible is the most overrated book in the world. It needs to be done away with. Burn it digitally. And why they say that, 39 million copies were sold last year. You can attack the Word of God. You can try to trample it. You can try to beat it with a hammer, but you'll just wear the hammer out because the Bible will stand the test of time because it is the Word of God. But a shepherd speaks and the sheep know his voice, they know his heart, and they listen to the Savior. Are you listening to the Savior, Jesus Christ? And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They just know his voice, know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The eldership of this church, they are so thankful for each and every one of you. You're family. You're family. We are family, right? I mean, we we take communion together. We sit in small groups together. We work on the church property together. You go out there by our coffee stand this morning. Greg Hadfield, along with good people like Jeremy Cook, installed that new flooring out there. Take a look at it. High-quality flooring. Brought the stuff in Thursday. By Friday afternoon, it was done. And he did it as a gift to the church. That's a family. We've got eight or nine people that mow this yard every week, pull weeds, clean floors, clean bathrooms, 
we're a family. This church is a family. And I can't stress that enough. And so whenever the eldership uh, comes into your life to encourage you along, I hope that is the spirit in which you receive them that we are encouraging one another as we encourage ourselves to be more like Jesus, to be more like the Lord. Don't ever listen to someone, whoever they may be, that doesn't speak the truth from God's Scripture. And know that to the best of our ability, not in a legalistic way, we are standing firm on the Word of God. I am not here to preach to you out of a book. I'm not here just to tell you a story that might be cute and funny. We have about 30 minutes once a week to hear the Word of God, and I want to be able to speak the good things, the right things, the convicting things, the challenging things, even the hard things in our time. And I praise God that I've got eight men around me that encourage me as well in so many ways. Jesus used this fixed speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore he said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Now Jesus isn't saying that people don't listen to the thieves and the robbers. He is saying, My sheep listen to my voice, and they don't listen to the thief and robber. We might get sidetracked. We might get swayed by cultural times. But the Word of God, above all, is what we listen to. And that's where we stand because we know the Word of God is the rock that brings true life and meaning and guides our paths. I am the gate. There he goes again. Whoever enters through me will be saved They will come in and go out and find pasture. There's the good shepherd. I'm the gate. They go through me. They'll be saved. We live in a culture that the world says, you don't have to go to Jesus. We live in a culture that says, you can go to heaven your way. And there's many different ways to go to heaven. The answer to that is, the voice of God is, there's only one way to go to heaven. And that is through Jesus Christ, because He is the gate. Without going through Jesus Christ, you're lost. You are doomed. There is a hell. And people who are not redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ are doomed to hell. We cannot preach, we cannot teach a watered-down gospel. Every year, you know I do a series on sexual purity. To get up here among friends and, and, and bringing friends, if, if you don't know that my heart's right whenever I say to live together, to live together, 
without marriage is a sin. In the Bible, the strong word is fornication. Don't say that because, hey, I know this person and that person. Everybody I do premarital counseling with, for the most part, are living together. I don't like say I, I don't want anything to do with you this eldership wouldn't say that we love you we want you to see the truth of God's word for whatever reason you've not seen it and our actions our actions represent what's in our hearts and there's nothing we can do to explain that away Jesus says by their actions you will know their hearts our culture says you got to take it out and try it out to see if you like it. Live together. That's not what Scripture teaches. Living together is wrong. It's sinful. Homosexuality is a sin. It's a depraved mind. And don't think that I'm not compassionate towards those situations with people because I've got it in my own extended family, people that I love and care about. But as a shepherd of God's church, what's more important to His people is the Word of God. How difficult it might be, the Word of God, because the Word of God says... It's wrong, it's depraved, it's sinful, and it is damning. And Lord willing, with grace and kindness and love in all of these situations with people, maybe, just maybe, the Lord can use you, us, me, to save. Seek the Lord. One more of our culture. Abortion's wrong. Abortion's wrong. I never, ever thought that a normal mind that's not depraved could make the argument that a baby... Not a fetus, a baby in a mother's womb. It's all right. Quit saying abort, but it's all right to kill that baby. That's what it is. Do you know the Old Testament? God came down on His people because they were sacrificing their children in the fire. We get more worked up over starving a dog than we do killing a baby in a mother's womb. Neither one is good. But killing a baby is sinful. And the community of God's people have to listen to His voice even in the areas where it might challenge us. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now I'm going to jump ahead here. And I want you to see this in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 5. This is what God says to his people. And the shepherds they have have abused them. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. I want to tell you something else. And this hasn't anything to do with your salvation. I don't think. But each and every one of you need to be a part of a Bible class or a small group. And you need to be investing in that Bible class or small group, not just Sunday morning worship. Because in the setting we need to be learning and we need to be growing and we can do some of that on Sunday morning as we worship the Lord in honor of His Word but really and truly we've got to have our lives involved in other people's lives not being busy bodies not pushing ourselves in in an unhealthy way but people need each other a month ago I was on a pastor's retreat that I was really excited about. I usually don't like that kind of stuff because it's pep talk and hoorah and this and that and then my book and buy my... It's just that's not for me. But I was excited about this because there was a couple of guys there. One had recently retired. They were members of basically 27,000 member churches, five, six campuses. And I wanted to listen to them talk about the growth of the church, those kinds of things from, from a shepherding standpoint. And you know the essence of what came out of how a church grows? People inviting people. People inviting people. People being connected to people and inviting people. Pretty simple, isn't it? Now, a couple of them got into debates with one another on the stage. One felt like the growth of the church was all because of the structure. And that's where they took credit for it. The other thought, no, the Lord gives the increase. And then the battle was Ministers, leverage your people. Leverage your church. Leverage your staff. I'm sitting there with the D. She goes, you're being awful quiet. And I said, I'm just trying to listen. And I thought to myself, I could never be like that. I, I'm not leveraging anything. Not by power, nor by might, says the Lord, but by my Spirit. You're not just a number. You're a person. You're a brother. You're a sister. Matt, Bernie, 
Justin, John Gooch. They're not people to be leveraged. There's just no way to say that except it's sounding so corporate and that's what it is. I want, the elders want this church to flourish. We want our people to invite people because we feel like we have a wonderful message that points people to Jesus Christ. We're not corporate. We, we run a well-oiled church, but we're not corporate. We're shepherds. And people need to come into a place where they can find love and acceptance and the Word of God. And so, as you think about the church and what we are trying to be, we are asking for your help. Help us find the good shepherd, the good overseer, the good elder, someone that you think is worthy to set before us and to trust. Because here's what it all boils down to. In your life, you have people you love. Mine, or my wife, my son Jabez, my daughter Ashley, and now my grandsons and son-in-law. But I mean, I love you guys too. But you know what I mean. You're the ones that, like, you're the closest people to you. I mean, you may love me, but... Neil, you probably don't love me like you love those two boys sitting beside you. That's what I'm saying. So picture this. Your children get a little older, and you die. And they left the church. But mom and dad, you're gone. No more influence. And maybe your children get into some trouble. That little girl, that little boy that you love. But you're not here to help them. Who do you want talking to your child who comes back and says, I'm going to give church another try. I'm going to try to seek God through His bride, the church. Who do you want them talking to? Because that's who should be an elder. Someone that is not brutal. Someone that is not harsh. Someone who is gentle. Someone who is spirit-led. Someone who is compassionate. So we wrap up. And I set this challenge before the eldership right now. To the elders among you, those older, wiser men that's walked with the Lord, Peter says, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds. Tend the flock. Feed the flock. Mend the brokenhearted. Heal the sick. Search for the one that's gone astray. Look for the lost. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as those overseers that are watching out for their souls. Not because you must, but because you are willing. 
as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. Gentle, gentle, gentle. But being examples to the flock. And the chief shepherd appears. You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And in verse 5, Peter says to those that are younger, submit to your elders. You know, the scriptures teach us to submit to the elders because there's decisions you have to make that's not always easy and, and you need the flock to support you in a difficult decision. So you see the monumental task of not only being a shepherd, but of nominating one. The heart has to be right. They have to have the right spirit. They have to look like Jesus. They need to be someone that you would say, here, here's my son, Jabez. I'm not here, but I want him to talk. This is personal to me. If it was Jabez, I want him to talk to Jack Myers. I want him to talk to John Barons. I want him to talk to Mike Boomas. I want him to talk to John Casto. I want him to talk to Mitch DeLang. I want him to talk to Duke Gray. I want him to talk to Mark Etheridge. I'm confident in all of those men because they know who they are not. And they're humble before the Lord. And Lord, this is my treasure. So take it seriously. And may God's hand of mercy and kindness be on the Kentwood Christian Church as we strive to be disciples who love and live like Jesus. People inviting people into our fellowship not to be a growing church, not to be a big church, but simply to be a church where lives are being touched, helped, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ as we point people to the great shepherd. And I can live with that. And I hope you can too. We love you. And God bless each and every one of you. I'm going to ask Stephanie, would you guys come up here and Daniel just real quick? They have two children, a beautiful six-year-old daughter named Molly and a three-year-old son named Charlie. And we are blessed to have another young couple join our church. So let's give them a warm welcome. Uh, spent time in their home Thursday evening, and it, just like what the Lord was impressing on me was, wow, Daniel and Stephanie, they just, they value the Word of God. They value the Word of God. So welcome. We already got them in a small group, and she's already serving and working, and we've got all kinds of plans for you, Dan. So... <laughs> Uh, but welcome 
to the family of God here at Kentwood Christian Church. Go invite people. Tell them about this family and help us reach the lost for the Lord. God bless you guys. Another warm welcome for them. Hey, Bentley. Bentley Renke. Come here, my friend. Right over here, Bentley. Bojangles is even excited about this. Let's hop up here. Can you step up there? I guess you I guess you can tell with this robe what this little man has decided to do. Reminds me of my son Jabez Nashley. He'll turn eight in September. We've had a great talk last week, uh, and he's ready to be baptized into the Lord. And so we've got to congratulate him on that. Are they sort of scary looking out there? Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you a simple question, and which we've already talked about. I know you believe in Jesus, but do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yes, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Amen. And we're going to baptize him on that confession. This way, Bentley. Church, you can stand with us as we come into our time of